are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. It's a very difficult verse, and I'd like you to read it with me. They're called the Beatitudes based on the word blessed. You see that word nine times in these 11 verses. God says he'll bless us. Blessings is extreme happiness. It's over the top. It's flowing over. I don't understand it in this verse all the time like I should. But God says he will bless us if we mourn. Look at the verse. Would you read verse four with me? Ready, begin. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Do you know verse three is step one. It's like these steps we have here. And you have to get to step one. You'll never get to the last step until you first go through step one. There's no skipping steps. There's stair steps. In fact, many of the times the list you see in the Bible, they're always a stair step. You need this one before you can get this one. And the first one in verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit. We've already looked at that message. To be poor in spirit is to have a proper awareness of oneself, knowing your strengths and knowing our weaknesses. And God says, blessed are the poor in spirit. You, you're, you're content with your person. You're content with your position. You're content with your pedigree. Uh, you're, you're, you're content where God has put you. You know, tonight, most of you, and you, if you're supposed to be a pastor, you should be, but most of you are not supposed to be pastors. But I cannot do what you're doing in life. I, I would be a joke in the computer field. I'd be a joke as a CEO. I wouldn't know how to do your job. I'd be a, it would be hilarious to watch me in the field of medicine. I have no idea how to take care of medicine and take care of surgery or be a plumber or electrician or computer programmer or be a, a this or that. God's equipped us and once we figure out what God has equipped us to do, God says, be poor in spirit about it. I, I knew that right off the bat, we got married. I knew I was not gonna tell my wife how to cook because she is the personality would say, fine, you do it. And I'm not gonna learn how to cook. I refuse to learn how to cook. I say that from time to time and someone will always say, your mother did you a disservice. My mother helped me. I do not want to cook. I want to eat. She can do the cooking. Thank God for that. She likes to do that. Poor in spirit. So don't try to jump to this next verse, verse four, till you get that down. Have you accepted who you are? You know, I think sometimes even the pastorate, I, I think it was probably pride. I thought, Maybe God had this for me. 
And God said, this is what I have for you. You know, there's some great preachers tonight that preach in little hollers, backwoods and in country and little towns, and they have 50 people in church, and they're as much of a man of God as someone that might be having a 1,000 in church and maybe more. If we're not careful, we think we're doing nothing. We think we do such small things, but if that's where God has you, then be content where he has you. Stop trying to be something you're not. I'm speaking to Jack Treber right now. Poor in spirit. And then we get to the second one. Blessed. God said, I'll over, overfill you with just tremendous happiness. I'll bless you if you learn to mourn. What, what is mourning? Mourning, that, that word is, it comes from a Greek word which means to wail. Have you ever come to a point where you mourn so heavily you're wailing? Brother Thompson, you'll never know that day when you had those two U-Haul trucks following the will of God to pastor a church and took those five grandkids. It was a first day of staff orientation. They hadn't come yet. And it just overwhelmed me with grief. I walked this property that early morning and just literally sobbed and wailed. It is an overwhelming grief. Oh, I was happy they were serving God. Our family was such a close-knit family and four grandkids, Brother Tim lived four blocks here and Calvin and Chris lived four blocks here and Ryan and Tiffany lived four blocks here. And then Brother Tim went to pastor and Brother Thompson went to pastor. And nine of those grandkids left and left and, and four left and I thank God for all of them. My wife reminded me she was brokenhearted and yet rejoicing. Brother, I, I thought so much, Brother Lawman of missionaries, how your parents and how your wife's parents must have felt those 22 years that you were in China before they expelled you from that land. What your parents had to do at Christmas and give up their kids and grandkids because you're following the will of God. We've given up nothing. I could think of my wife and Mrs. Strove at Jennifer's funeral, our niece. I got alone and that precious 24-year-old girl was killed in that car accident. And I just wailed by myself. I just was overcome with grief. I think of church members I've buried. I've laid them to rest. Sometimes I've been out in the cemetery walking by their markers and I, I just ache within. And the, the Bible says when you mourn, there's a, there's, a, a, there's a grief that's overwhelming inside. I would never want to hurt anyone. It's the grief that you experienced when your husband walked out the door. It's the grief you experienced when your wife walked out the door. 
It's the grief you experience when you said goodbye to a loved one. It's the grief that you realize that when the doctor said you have cancer and the fear that comes over and the moaning and groaning that comes. And God says he'll bless us if we have such a deep sorrow. I'll get to the message at the end and I won't be long tonight. I don't know what you're mourning over tonight or what you will mourn over. Our, more, our Lord had to mourn over being betrayed. Not in this room, but I had someone tell me recently, it's been years now since I've seen my grandkids. Just in recent weeks, it's been years since I've seen my grandkids. My, my children won't let me see my grandkids. They don't want us to visit. Some of you, by no fault of your own, for some reason, your son or your daughter, your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law, all of a sudden put a stop and said, no grandparents allowed. There's some parents that will piddle their bed in the head tonight because their son is a prodigal or their daughter's a prodigal and they're out all alone. I think of that young man I saw this week and I, saw, I knew him decades ago and decades ago and I saw his life and his mind was so gone this week and his drugs and his drink and his homelessness and, and all that, that the sham he was living in, the shame he was living in and my heart just cannot stop breaking for that young man. I think of how his mother, who's a good lady, how she feels tonight. And family, how broken heart they've tried and they tried. Some will go to bed tonight. By the way, it all sounds so bleak. There is, there is joy at the end here because God says he'll bless you. Some go to bed tonight so shattered. There's a song in your song because I don't want you to turn there, but have you knelt beside the rubble of an aching, breaking heart when the things you've given your life to have fallen apart, you're not the first to be acquainted with sorrow, grief, and pain. The Master promises sunrise, sunrise, sunrise after rain. Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. Weeping only lasts for the night. Oh, what a tremendous song. And he's speaking here in Matthew chapter number five. I believe he's speaking about righteousness because he's talking these following beatitudes deal with righteousness and godliness and purity of heart and, and verse number six of righteousness again. And verse number 10 in righteousness and holiness and godliness. And God says to us tonight that we ought to mourn over our sins he wants us to be righteous. I don't know how sin affects you. Some folks seem like they can just block it out, but the Holy Spirit of God, he lives within us, and one of his functions is to convict us. And when I do wrong, I get so convicted. 
And I, I plead with God. I said, oh God. Uh, and I, there are moments I just mourn over the fact that there's so much flesh. I, I want to be a, a, a good father and a good grandfather and a good husband and a, and a good man of God and a great pastor. But oh, as a songwriter, prone to wander. I, I don't have as much trouble with people's sins as I do with my sins. David said, my sin is ever before me. I know how weak and how I can fail. I know sometimes when I'm supposed to, I have, I, I have great, I've told you before, I have great faith. I just believe God. But sometimes with great faith comes great fear too. In some moments I just, I just know God can. In some moments I'm thinking, what have I done? I'm not careful, I, I can get to the point of, I'm so burdened for America, so brokenhearted for our country. I'm so brokenhearted for our New Testament local churches. It keeps me up at night. It, it, it bothers me. I believe sometimes instead of praying, I go to fearing and, and so bewildered and so confused. That's sin. I think we think sin is just Drinking and drugs and adultery. Losing your temper is sin and bitterness is sin and carnality is sin and always pushing the pushing the the the, uh, the, 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 the envelope to always have more sin and more liberty and more and more self and deceit and envy and fear and frustration and gossip and hatred and ill will and jealousy. All that is sin. And when we're not poor in spirit, we're always upset because I didn't get chosen for something. Whether it be at home, at church, at school, or work. And he says, blessed are they that mourn. I think we ought to be mourning over our sins and mourning over our pride and how it must grieve the heart of God. I believe if we're mourning right, we not only mourn over our sins, but we mourn over the sins of others. I mentioned to you this morning, I've had such a strugglesome week, mourning for these movie stars and people that got themselves involved in this scandal with the money. I don't know. People say, do you know, oh, I know the name John Wayne. I know Gomer. Some of the big names. Barney Fife. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know movie stars' names. I don't really watch movies. I don't see that stuff. I've never been in a movie house in my life. I don't think I've missed out on a lot. But I do know a couple of these names of movie stars that are in this scandal and football players. It has wakened me up in the night, through the night where I can't sleep. I'm so bothered for them. 
it seems like the world is waiting to get the story of all the dirt we can get on these people. And in my heart, it's just the opposite. I feel so sad. I know people do wrong, and I know there's consequences. I've not followed the story of Mr. Trump's Manafort, the man that worked for him, but I ached so much. I, I was standing, we were right there, I guess on Thursday night, and the man said, this is the courtroom where Mr. Manafort was sentenced today. That's why you see all the news media out here in Washington, D.C. I placed myself in his position knowing that his wife was in that room undoubtedly for a sentencing, knowing undoubtedly his kids and in-laws and perhaps his grandkids. I don't know, I don't know anything about it. I don't know who was there. And I know apparently he did wrong. And I know there's consequences. But God says we're to mourn, yes, over our sins, but how about the sins and failures of others? Why do we have to have such glee when people get caught doing wrong? I never voted for Bill Clinton. But I remember when they were trying to get all that they could on him. And I'm not saying they did not have to research. I'm not saying that. I've never been waving the flag for he or his wife. Oh, I prayed, oh God, please may it not be true. I didn't want his wife to have to hear that. I didn't want his daughter, a young girl at that time, have to hear that. My dad's been unfaithful. Then why did people have to write about it? I'm not suggesting we cover sin. But what makes us the right to broadcast everything? You know, when Saul did wrong, God says, publish it not. Don't tell everybody. Many years ago, there was a problem, and he said to me, I'll never forget it, because someone was trying to engage him. He had the information, and, and they, he said, I'm not part of the problem, and I'm not part of the solution, so I have no opinion. I'm not going to talk about it. I like that spirit. Don't you grieve over personalities like sports people when they get arrested? Don't you grieve? I don't even know who this program, I've never seen the program. This kid that, that made this made up story that he got beat up by some boys he paid and, and, and then said it was from the, the president's people that did it and it all came out to me. Don't you, don't you grieve for that? That boy's got to have some big issues in life. He's got to have undoubtedly an absent dad or an absent mother or both and a messed up life. There's got to be something going on with that boy that you think in such a manner and now he's facing criminal charges. Don't you, don't you ache when the door goes shut? Have you ever been in a jail? I've been there. I visited those people behind those bars and it's a sad thing to see. A six by nine little cell with two people in it. I grieve when I go to the jail. I grieve when I've been at the courtrooms away here. You're guilty. I've watched mothers. I've watched dads. I've watched, I watched the husband turn and saw his wife weeping when he went off to prison. 
I wonder what would happen if we learned to mourn for people instead of criticizing, magnifying. They did wrong. They're going to have to pay. That's not being the type of Christian that God's laying out for us here. I believe we should mourn in this text over our sins and mourn over the sins of others. And I believe we ought to mourn for the saints of God. Psalm 51, David did wrong. He committed sin with Bathsheba. It was awful. Killed a man. It was awful. And there were consequences. His whole family fell apart. But he had to live with the conscience of that. And he said, Psalm 51, my sin is ever before me. Every morning of his life, he had to face my sins before me. There are things that God brings up in my own life. My sin is ever before me. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I think that? Why did I, why, why? He said, well, you should not be a pastor if there's been sin. I'm not talking about unfaithful to my wife. I am saying this and all of us have it. He that saith he no, has no sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. Stop trying to live this life like you're, you're Mr. Perfect, Mrs. Perfect. Sometimes I cannot look at those columns in my prayer journal of all these saints of God, people that are saved, that I love, and they're away from God, away from God, and they're backslidden. And I go to their names, and I, sometimes I feel so helpless. Lord, it's been years. They're away from you. Doesn't it hurt you when you see people get out of God's house? Doesn't it hurt you when you see people get away from the Bible? As a shepherd, it's my job to care for my sheep. Streetbird, I had the joy to be with the high school seniors in Washington, D.C. this week. There's so many people in D.C. this week. As we walked with those kids, and they behaved perfectly. They're just, they're just, I guess they're North Valley. They're just amazing. All around us, it looked like so much sloppiness. And a lady came up to me as we were leaving Arlington. She said, I'm with a large Christian school from California. Where are you folks from? I said, we're from California. And our kids, our boys were just dressed nice. They didn't have suits and ties on. Uh, they had casual clothes, but they're so neat and so respectful and so obedient. And she was from a large Christian school. And she said to me, I wish our kids looked like that. I didn't pull it out of her, Brother Fanero. She said, I wish our kids looked, I wish our kids behaved like that. And young people, I want to say, as I watched you, and sometimes you got ahead of us, Declan, and we tried to keep up with you because <laughs> it's pretty hard on these old people, Brother and Mrs. Fanero. And I saw your lives, and I know how the devil's going to fight you. 
going to try to destroy your lives. But always stay, regardless of how, what kind of mourning, you're going to go through mourning. And what you go through, stay close to God. And don't quit on God's house. God's house is not wrong. It's not perfect. It's his institution. He gave his life for it. I believe we ought to mourn for the saints of God. I believe we ought to mourn for the sanctuary. Jude and Peter, 2 Peter, both deal extensively with the sanctuary, the house of God, God's people. The book of Acts chapter 20, and after my departure shall grievous wolves come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also of your own selves shall men arise and speaking perverse things. There's a flood. Teenagers, you live, there's a flood. College students, you live, there's a flood coming in to capture you. The news, someone's going to get me the article on my phone. I saw it this week that church is a thing of the past. It's done. It's over in America. It's not necessary. We don't need it. Oh, but God said so much the more. I need more of God. I need more of God's house. I grieve when I see him. I grieve. I'm mourning tonight. Dear man called me this week, said, oh, Brother Trevor, I'm so sorry. The way I led my church and what, what I've done now, these moments, I, I said, you don't owe me an apology. I said, I, I respect you for calling, but you don't owe me an apology at all. But it was refreshing to see that he was brokenhearted. I believe as we're out of time now, we, we ought to grieve for society. It's an angry world we live in. Don't you mourn over it? I wonder what's going to happen this week. I'm not a Muslim. I don't have a Muslim bone in my body for Islam. And how in the world can you not mourn over 50 people that were perished this week. Imagine the fear that those that live with the rest of their life and to think that they were gunned down in another country, just gunned down by a crazy man. I remember a few years ago there were, uh, I don't believe sodomy Brings honor to God, it's dishonor to God. God says, I give you over men burning in their lust with men and women to women. He said, it's sin, it's an abomination to God. But there was 49 of those young boys that were gunned down in Florida. And those were people. And those were boys that had mothers and dads and family. And we try to legislate everything and no amount of legislation is going to do it. We've got to see the heart changed. Yet we attack the church and let's close the church and the church is not necessary. The church is necessary. It's the restrainer of evil. May I remind you what the Bible says, blessed are they that mourn. You don't need to turn there. 
by the 1930s. And the man lived in my lifetime until a few years back. He was a great preacher, a great evangelist. And you know the story about Dr. Charles Weigel. He was busy out of Florida and preaching all over the nation and married and had a little five-year-old girl. He thought his wife was with him. She said she was. But he got home from a meeting and there was a note said, Charlie, I'm done with you. I'm done with God. I'm moving from Florida to Hollywood in the 1930s. She said, 39, I believe it was, the beginning of the war. And I'm getting out of here because I want to finally have some fun in my life. He stopped preaching, didn't know what to do. He didn't think any churches would have him. His wife left him. And he was walking, he just, just overwhelmed with grief, mourning. I even thought about, should I take my life? And then that fleeting thought, I thought, no, I can't do that. But my whole life is over. God created me to be a preacher of the gospel. And in Sebring, Florida, he wrote this song in 451 in our hymn book. I'd love to tell you what I think of Jesus. Since I founded him a friend so strong and true, I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. My heart was full of misery at all. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms around me. It led me in the way I ought to go. He began to preached, some churches watered him. He didn't do a lot of outside meetings, but he served God all that he could. And five years later, a tragedy took place. His wife died in Hollywood. Tragic. He went on to serve God. He became a great evangelist and in Chattanooga, Tennessee, there's the great, it was with Tennessee Temple, the great Weigel Hall Music Hall. A great man of God. He passed away in my lifetime. But he knew something about mourning. He said, well, this is depressing. Well, look at the last word. Verse number four, blessed are they that mourn. God says, when you mourn, they shall be comforted. What is comfort? It's the same word used for the Holy Spirit who is the comforter. What is the comforter? What is comfort? Someone that comes alongside. They're just there. <laughs> you know, Vinny, when Jennifer died, I got myself under control and I went in for the viewing. The line that night was so long to get in through the building to see that little girl, 24. 
And other people were gone. The family was there. And I stood and I, I began to just weep. And Gail, her mother, came and put her arm around me, never said a word. I, I know I wasn't as close to her, I'm sure, as my wife and you were. But we loved Jennifer. We remember when she was born. And then Gail said, Jack, it'll be all right. Oh, she's had a life of sorrow. She lives with it every day, all these years later. But you know what she did that night? She came along and brought comfort to my heart. She just brought comfort to me. It was two years ago today my dad passed away. I love my dad so much. And at that funeral, there was a pretty little girl, my wife, that came and just held my hand. I'll never forget it. Didn't say anything, just held my hand. And my father was old, I know, 93. I know that. But someone came alongside. When you mourn, God will send somebody or God will send you some scripture. Or God will send you a song. One of the hard things for me is one day I'll get too old to pastor this church. And the next man one day will not know in every section how you've had to mourn. Julie, your sweet husband, I... I've been, I don't know why, just the last several days I keep mourning over your husband, Joel, 68, when he died. I'm not trying to bring heartache to you, but that's the way it is all over this house. And your children have passed away, and your babies that have passed away, and your parents have passed away, and your loved ones have passed away, your mother, your dad. And when my time comes to an end, well, will there be someone that even knows that? What you faced. And what you faced when he walked out and when she walked out. God says he'll bless you if you mourn. And I don't know how he'll bless you. I don't know how it's all going to work together. I don't know those things. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.